Hey there everybody, this is Catherine Mary and just before we start Smooth Style No Bits today I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who uh, said such nice things about the first mini-sode that I managed to get out last week. Today's the first real one but um, your kind comments and uh, excitement about the future really mean a lot to me so thank you very much and um, enjoy the show. She's talking about some funny things that have her all in fits. She's ranting about the subjects that get right on her tits. She's chatting with the lovely folk and some who are real shits. It's smooth style, no bits. Smooth style, no bits. It's a podcast. Well, hey there, pretty people. This is Catherine Mary welcoming you to another episode of Smooth Style, No Bits. I went to a pantomime this week. I must say, I wasn't thrilled. I love pantomimes. Oh my God, I love them. My dear mother was um, an actress and one amongst many plays I saw her in when I was a child, the pantomimes have some of the most fantastic memories. They were twinkly and sparkly and exciting and thrilling and magical. And then I also got to go backstage and try on the costumes and see the pumpkin coach and stroke the Shetland ponies and I completely loved it. Of course the first reason I didn't enjoy it was because it wasn't really a panto. They call them Christmas stories with songs or something these days apparently because they can't really afford to put on you know proper pantomimes but if it's Christmas it's a panto guys you've got to get your head around it. The audience laughed one and a half times in the whole show. I don't just mean me I mean the entire audience, which included brownies and all the kids that I was with and all the grown-ups and everybody. One and a half times. Even if you're not calling it a panto, there's got to be more laughs than that, surely. And I have to say that everybody's terribly, terribly nice accents until the evil mice arrived. Well, of course, they talked like that, didn't they? They was cockily evil mice. Thereby once again reaffirming the class divisions that are set between us. Yeah, smash it. I'm working mainly on the patriarchy at the moment, but I'll do the class system as well when I've got a minute. Christmas fields, though, are, um, are, are strong with me. I've had three posties in one day today. Incredible. Two men and a woman, all of whom are wearing those rather nice orange fluorescent jackets that the Royal Mail seem to be issuing at the moment. I like them. I'm also delighted to say that the first nativity scene I saw recently was knitted. Oh, I love a knitted nativity scene. Especially the wonky ones, the ones with the the faces where the sheep are all a bit lopsided and have got a bad leg and Mary and Joseph have perhaps got little arms stretched out and baby Jesus is wrapped up in thread in in a manger made of matchsticks. Everybody in the scene that I saw was white, which, as we know, simply it's not accurate nor presenting a balanced picture of uh, modern society so either way you look at it that's a pile of poo isn't it i also treated myself to a copy of the christmas radio times the tv guide for the festive period and at some point i'm going to sit down with a lovely cup of tea and a biro or perhaps perhaps a, a highlighter pen or um, a selection of highlighter pens mm, and mark up some television treats But there's something about watching them live, isn't there? I will be there at 7.30pm on Christmas Day watching Doctor Who. And if you don't want to watch it with me, I don't care. But you will shut up and not talk all the way through. 
And of course, as I believe I've mentioned before, we will not be missing Pemberley on Boxing Day because my brother's in it. On to my first interview. I'm delighted to introduce to you my dear friend and musical buddy, Colin McAllister. We talked a little bit about um, how we met, how we came to start and continue to play with this enormous multi-headed beast called the Southampton Ukulele Jam. It was interesting as well to reflect a little bit on why it's had the success it's had and continues to have, which was great. It was lovely as well to talk to Colin more about his life before I knew him. I always enjoy talking to people about their happy childhoods. I didn't have one and I find them fascinating and mysterious. It, I have to remember that people, people's experience was, was not the same as mine. And so connections that you make, particularly with people that you become close to in your life, there's a, there's a bit that we don't share and that's kind of interesting to me. It was also funny to find out that despite the best efforts of the man, he never managed to live or work in Scotland after he was kind of obliged to leave to do um, a, an acting course that he wanted to pursue. <laughs> it seemed like he struggled really hard. He kept applying, but they wouldn't have him back. But we're really pleased because if he hadn't landed down here on the south coast of the UK, I would never have met him and he wouldn't be my buddy. So finally, before I move over to that interview, just to say um, apologies for some of the uh, banging and clunking you'll hear in the interview. I'm learning, all right? The big clunk is a cup of coffee on the desk. There is also squeaky chair at one point if you listen out for it, and what I'm calling phone bing. There's also a moment where the whole thing grinds to a halt and I had to click some buttons to get it started again. But I left it in because, um, hey, trying to keep it real. Hopefully, as I get better at this, you won't have to listen to that so much. But, hey, it's the talking that counts. So anyway, here it is, talking to Colin. Enjoy. So, hello. Colin McAllister, thank you very much for being my first guest on my podcast. It's a privilege, thank you very it much for inviting me. It feels very strange to be talking to you in this situation because you are something of a brother to me, yeah. Mr McAllister, so asking you questions like I don't know who you are is a bit strange. So I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to find out the bits that I don't know. The bits in between. I thought. So, I have known you for maybe six years. Yeah, 2008 properly. Oh, wow. 2008. Well, and yeah. do you want to tell the story of how we met? Go on, you, you tell it. Well, actually, I'm not entirely sure. You might be able to fill in some of my gaps. Okay. Got, uh, so I think I posted maybe on bitternpark.info and portswood.info, maybe, uh, that I was a ukulele player and I was looking for other ukulele players to play with. And I had met a couple of people, nice, really nice people, who'd come round to my house and we played songs and that had been fine, but it never stuck. And then I think you must have sent me an email or something. And we both recognised that we both played the ukulele and we met in the Talking Heads pub one night. And I don't think we'd really met before then. No, no, we hadn't met. No, we, it was a complete blind ukulele day. We turned up and I had no idea. I hadn't even spoken to you. Hmm. So when you opened your mouth and you were Scott, that was like, ooh! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. It was less surprising in that area. Yeah. <laughs> And, and we sat there, and I brought my ukulele, and you went, oh, we're going to play. Yes. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, thank fuck, because maybe we're not going to play. That's good, that's good. 
I'd really kind of bolstered myself that maybe I was going to have to play. I was going to have to, yeah. you know, expose myself in that kind of way. But, but it, we didn't. No, no, no. And and so so what was going on in my head at that point was that, I mean, and even still, we, we at the Ukulele Jam played a gig yesterday, and I still play maybe only two thirds of the chords that I'm supposed to play. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I. And yeah, people, we're not very good players. People ask me for advice yeah. and stuff, and I don't. I, you know, I don't really know. I know how to play. Did what? I tell you I went to see Billy Bragg yeah. in concert the other day, and he was talking about his son asking him to show him how to play mm. this lead part for a song, and him having to very bashfully say. Um, so I, I'm not that sort of guitar player. No, I can only play what I n- And know. I thought, great, if Billy Bragg's not that sort of guitar player, I don't, need, I don't have to be that sort of ukulele yeah. player. I've yes. always felt a bit ashamed that I don't play better than I do. And, but... s- and so I had willfully not brought my ukulele because I right. didn't want you to say, well, play me a song then. But <laughs> I don't think I even could have played a song at that point. Who had you played with in your kitchen? There was two guys, one guy that I can't even remember. So, but I had to play. I, with with those people. Oh, so it was a bit like seeing one of those notices in a in a in like a music shop. Drummer wanted for yeah, band. Yeah, a bit like that. Terrifying. Yes. You could have ended up in the Spice Girls. I could have. Anything could have happened. Yeah. Uh, I, he said that I had a nice voice, which oh. I, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you were never once in the other room. <laughs> um, there was another guy who who is a carer, I, uh, a carer of a disabled man in Southampton. Yes, he did come. He did. Yeah. did he did used to come to the big. If he's still out there, yeah. he's changed his email address 5,000 times in the, in the course of uh, two weeks, and so I lost track of which <laughs> one it was. So if you are listening to a uh, nice person, uh, I'm still here. Yeah, get um, And uh, you know where they're talking heads every two weeks. So well, and we should explain what this, this, this thing is. Colin and I met in this, this meeting in this pub and said, OK, we've both been playing on our own forever and a day. Let's, let's see if there's anybody else out there. And my God... Was there anybody yeah, but else? And, the, and that was there. the joy of you doing it because I had no idea, and and you just kind of went, okay, well then we'll just do it. And I went, oh, well, all right, then that's fine. And I don't know how those seventeen people turned up on the first night, but seventeen people turned up. It was mainly the local websites that Guy runs, hmm. who maybe you'll meet in another podcast. Um, I think I think maybe I put some posters up in some places. Uh, I can get very diverted into designing things yeah. that is unnecessary, no. you know, make a mountain out of a molehill. But I probably made some very fancy posters for things. And then, yeah, and then people started emailing me. And the first one was Alex Muck, forgive me, Alex, I can't remember your name, who works with Ray Monk, who we now know very well. Yes. And he said, how's about this song? And he emailed to me that tune which uh, is are you about to wait I'll a see you in my dreams is it oh, right okay yeah it, no, it's the george um harrison yeah, i'll see you in my dreams song. yeah it is i'll see you in my... well it's always uh, interesting isn't it when you start playing with people or you meet people because there's songs they want to play you suddenly go oh i see oh you want to play that do you yes oh that's not really kind of what i had in mind but i think also you and i were very like-minded about the sorts of things we yeah. were interested in playing yeah which was probably another part of the and I and I still have some of those problems but but now the the management of the ukulele jam which is a a, a marvelous thing but the management of what songs we're going to play and and uh, the 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 definite lack of control that we all want to have but then of course being controlling well certainly as far as I'm concerned quite a controlling person <laughs> uh, there's a, a real um, friction between those two things and 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 ending up playing Delilah you know Tom Jones Delay or Hi Ho Silver Lining songs that I really don't have any desire to play or any 
But then you turn out and if you're doing a gig and people are singing yeah. along and waving Massive their arms. Massive crowd places. So then you've got other reasons to play songs, not just for your own sense of well-being or, or what you want to play musically, but actually you're involved in a conversation with an audience and so you've got to, you've got to play stuff that they want to hear as well. Well, the other thing that happened that first Politics. night after we... We hadn't realised this, I don't think, at all, but the pub's open mic night was the same night as Monday that we met. The Candle Club at the Talking Head said, do you want to get up and play? So the very first night we met, we got up and played on, on stage as a band, and suddenly, rock and roll, it was all, it was all happening. And that, that sort of hugely cemented this thing, and suddenly it existed. Yeah. This is six Christmas cowboys uh, now or on, five? Uh, yeah, the Sunday uh, week tonight is our sixth. Before we talk about that, and um, before we divert off into things that you're doing with other people i want to talk i want to talk about you because i have become very interested in the fortunes of air united football yeah, club recently yeah very very interested your kit's not great boys i want to talk to you about your outfits <laughs> but apart from that i think you know i'm looking at the international boys i'm looking at your barcelonas yeah. i'm looking to brazil i'm looking at the national squads and saying come on boys you can brighten things up a bit. But that's just another matter. It's black and white is the black and white. It, it's very quickly. So we were having our house painted. Uh, and we were having our house painted white. And I suggested that I'd like to have all the um, all the woodwork around the windows and the door painted black. And the person uh, who was painting our house <laughs> said, why on earth? That will look awful. And I, and I was absolutely confused about it. And it, it, we were, it, it happened and it, it did. And it wasn't until I drove back into the west coast of Scotland where you suddenly realise that every house that's painted oh, white has got black around the windows um, and, and it's it's just it's, that's one of the, the standard ways to paint your house in the west. and I hadn't realised that and then you link that with the fact that, that um, United Football Club play in black and white and it suddenly becomes a suddenly they fit, maybe they it's fit. a fitting thing so I can't help you with the colours well, I've never really had an allegiance to any football team apart from Norwich because my son supports Norwich, nice so I yellow. take a little interest yeah, in them. Yellow, and they've yeah. got a little dicky bird and all that's quite cute. So I'm taking a bit of an interest in there. So I'm interested in this place yeah. where you're trying to lure me up there come the summer. Yeah, if we get into the playoffs, we're going on a big trip up. Tell me about that. So where is Air? But place it in Scotland for yeah. me. Yeah, okay. Air is uh, southwest of Glasgow okay. on the coast. So if you can imagine the Mull of Kintyre that okay. uh, comes down like a funny little nose pointing yeah. towards Northern Ireland, then the, there's a, a gap in between the... I'm really good at geography. <laughs> in between the Mull of Kintyre... Your hands are doing a fantastic... So, I should yes, take some no pictures, help. yeah. The Firth of Clyde goes up uh, with the Mull of Kintyre on your left and then airs on your right-hand side. So Mull of Kintyre comes down, there's a beautiful island called Arran in the middle, oh, and then Ayr's on the coast there. Used so when you say on the coast, what... The t- it's a fishing village. Oh, okay. A fishing town, a town. It was a fishing town. It, they, it has no uh, fishing fleet anymore. So is it quite an industrial place, or is there seaside? Is it... It, used to, it was the place that people from Glasgow went on their holidays ah. before they went on package holidays. Genuinely, there's a thing called the Glasgow Fortnight, or the Glasgow a week. Oh man, I've lost a bit of my cultural heritage. <laughs> I think it was a Glasgow fortnight uh, where people from Glasgow would come all the 35 right. miles or wherever like it is. Like going to Blackpool from Manchester and Liverpool yes, exactly. and all that. I suppose a little bit reminiscent of Blackpool in, as far as the 
combination of sand and water is concerned, but not as built up, not as, um, and certainly not as many, yeah, uh, fruit machines and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So are you a little boy in your shorts with a bucket and spade on the beach? Is it Was the beach part of life or i mean yeah 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 and, and so forgive i forgive my southern prejudice but i'd imagine it's quite nippy up there even in the it's, uh, generally August. speaking generally speaking about a degree colder oh only, only little, one yeah yeah so, does the yes, beach mean anything to yes, you absolutely you? i feel uh, bereft if i don't go to the seaside every now and then uh so yes i lived maybe a three or four minute cycle ride from the from the beach uh, dogs being walked down the beach, spending summer absolutely getting sand in your sandwiches, uh, having liaisons with uh, young ladies in the tall grass, mm. the whole and and so yeah, so uh, and then you get older and then you're going down there because you're hiding away from people so that you can drink alcohol or, <laughs> or whatever. All the benefits that the beach has to offer. So yeah, but but on the other hand, so I would come out of my house and I would turn right and I'd go down to towards the seaside, but you turn left into town and that was. It was also quite a vibrant town. But smaller, so it was quite, smaller, busy. So it was quite stimulating, this place. I mean, because the big question, obviously, is how does a man from the west coast of Scotland end up as far down the south of England as you yes. can possibly imagine? My oldest sister, Gail, talk, and I talk about that quite a lot. So I'm the youngest and Gail's the oldest. And Gail went as far east as she could. So she <laughs> lives in Edinburgh. And I ended up being south. So I uh, was the youngest... All my sisters were very clever and sporty and head girls. How and much stuff. younger are you than what? How, what's the pecking? Me, then Lorna, four years older than me, then Elaine, I think three years older than Lorna, and then Gail, three or four years older than Elaine. So maybe three or four years between. So she's us quite all. a sophisticated teenager by the time you're a. Uh, Gail, boy. Gail had left home before I was eleven. Yeah, Lorna and I spend most of the time together. Elaine went away to university and then came back to do a postgraduate degree and so lived at home, so I got to know her better then. But the, the question is, how do you get so far south? Well, the question is, was it was there a, a, a drive to get out? No, no, because not Because the way all. you're describing it, you, you, have, you sound like you have great affection for the place. It wasn't the small-town boy, I am so, you know, no, 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 crushed, I, I must get out of here. Catherine, I didn't even think about stuff enough. And that. <laughs> I just kind of bumble along. Yeah. So I had got, uh, I'd got through school all right. I didn't do particularly well um, academically, but kind of did okay. Uh, had signed up to do a BA in public administration in Aberdeen University. Right. I've no, I can't even remember applying for that. I have no idea why yeah. or how. And I had the letter arrive <laughs> saying that you, we've now accepted you to do this course. And I looked at this letter and said, I don't want to go what to Aberdeen. What the hell is that all about? My oldest sister, Gail, by this point was a drama teacher. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, um, and also, I should tell you that my mum had been had done a, a correspondence course with the Guildhall School of Music and Drama and become a speech and drama teacher, dealing with people who had a job interview, mm -hmm. but also on a Saturday morning, just thousands of kids coming in and out of the house. So I'd done a lot of poetry competitions, a lot of Burns competitions. Was the theatre in uh, Did you go to the theatre? No, I hadn't really been to a lot of that. You'd go and see stuff. And my mum had, before she did this correspondence course, had been... Uh, uh, and a semi-professional actress, done some radio plays and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. But but I'd done a lot of kind of performing, a lot of talking out loud in front of people. Yeah. Uh, and my sister Gail suggested I did this one-year foundation drama course in Edinburgh because the idea being, well, you do a foundation course, maybe you'll be a director, maybe you'll be a lighting well, designer. Well, the idea of a foundation which is sort of melted away to nothing. 
that you could go sort of towards this and then find out what you got yeah. there, which direction it's going yeah. to take. Yeah, and so I applied for a course. And I went and did my audition and they said, you don't want to come to this course? And I said, no, I do want to come to this course. And they said, well, we've got a community theatre arts course that we run alongside this straight acting course. That's what you want to do. And I said, OK. OK, then. What was it? Can you remember what it was they said? This is no. not the hole for you, Mr Pegg? That's, they just told me that I did yeah. not want to and that I should apply for this course. Because <laughs> they were you right. Get, because you were getting, and they were, they were, do you know what? They were absolutely right. Yeah. So I go up to Edinburgh, do this one-year course, just suddenly you just feel that you're in the right place, yeah. doing the right thing, uh, people saying that you, you can, you're can you good at what you're doing. And did you get involved in the festival and all that? Did you... No, we just did we just did wee performances and workshops. and Where? At the... Um... What's the theatre called? Uh, we were in no, we were in a place called Theatre Workshop in Stockbridge. So oh, this okay, is the May. This is nineteen eighty-five, mm -hmm. I guess. So just at that point where Scottish theatre is raising its head, seventy-four, and the idea of community theatre and theatre education and all that minor and strike. And while I was there, uh, so you get about halfway through, and then you go, bugger, this is going to finish yeah. in six months. What am I going to do then? And we did. I did a work placement at Theatre Workshop in Stockbridge. This marvelous vegan place, uh, brilliant though. And I met a woman. <laughs> I met a woman called Eva, who was from Germany, and she was maybe about my age, maybe a little bit older. She felt like she was more mature, certainly. So I'm seventeen, um, and she's applied to this place called Rose Bruford in London to do their community theatre arts course. And I thought, oh, right, I'll, I'll do that then. And so I applied to there, I applied to... Were you in love with Eva? Were you going to get to kiss Eva if you went to the Rose Griffith course? But that wasn't, no, that no. wasn't the intention. No. 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 No, she was lovely, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. She was a vegetarian. I wasn't a vegetarian those days. She was, she was proper community theatre yeah. artist. She wore leg warmers and stuff. I, <laughs> I was still in my Dr. Martin boots. Um, still are. Still are. <laughs> I did apply to Royal Scottish Academy and, and stupid places like that, but they just kind of laughed at me when I came in. But I went down. So to, had you been up and down to? Was going to London a, no, a regular never, thing never, in your life? No, the only time I had been to London, I was supposed to go over the school once, and they wouldn't take me because I was a smatting. <laughs> and then my sister Lorna, uh, who was in the Girl Guides, was singing in the Royal Albert Hall. Of course she was. Rara the Girl Guides. Two years later, ish. And we went down, and do you know what happened? I got I had the hugest asthmatic oh, time that you've ever. Oh no! I had to get the doctor to the hotel and everything. So whoever made the decision in the school not to take me was absolutely right. Yeah, Steve, seemed a little harsh, but Stephen Muirhead, who was uh, diabetic, and I weren't allowed to go. We had to go to the other primary seven. Uh, so I'd been down at, uh, for to see my sister Lorna, but but vaguely you weren't. It wasn't. No, and the, and also Rose Bruford, Where is Rose Bruford? It's, it's, well, it was based in Sidcup. But I tried very hard to find a community theatre arts course in Scotland and they, they, they did, it didn't exist. Right. That, that kind of BA thing didn't exist. So I thought I was doing this brilliant thing, going down to London. I, I went and did the audition. So, I, you know, I had gone from medium-sized Scottish town where um, everybody was white, um, uh, some class differentiation, but, but generally... You're pretty much know each other yeah absolutely. All, I mean of an age group and, I guess and they, they my and I no halls of residence or anything like that so I end up oh. in a in a house in Catford uh, with 
people who I still am uh, friends with now. Facebook, crappy Facebook, uh, but Facebook friends. So I'm still in touch with the people that I share the house nice. with. Yeah, and they kind of dropped me off, stayed the night, and and then left. And then. And I'm wide-eyed with, you know, black faces around me and and um, real poverty. Well, not Scottish people. I just, mean... Yeah, just all that we... stuff. Cockernies um, <laughs> and all that stuff. So it was a... And, and, and then arrived at this course, which turned out to be the hardcore Trotskyist political... Political, man, we went on strike every week about something and... The politics of language and and yeah. you know uh, and convers- gender hugely Lots conversations of- about it was mostly around uh, around color I suppose uh, around um, uh, um, ethnic diversity you know the raging debates about whether blackboard was a, an appropriate term all oh, right yes uh, you know and I could I could very much see the negative aspects of of the word black with black male and black spot and all that stuff but I was still sitting there with no voice no ability to say it is a board and it is black um, can we not just call it a blackboard um, why do we you know and but absolutely stretched. But, but, to think and you, about but this you were world. there, and you were open, and you were vocal, and you were participating in this thing. You weren't daunted by I, it. No, I found my voice over a period of time, and I was very lucky that I was Scottish. Okay, that's fine. That's red, and we're recording again. Yes, there we are. Okay, okay, okay. So you were at Rose Bruford. Yeah, uh, learning about life really. And you're quickly. loving it. Uh, are you out performing? Because this is a community theatre course. Yes. Have they got you out in the community doing things? Yes, a lot of that, a very based on devising. I didn't even know any of this stuff before I arrived. You just And so you learn to be quiet for the first couple of weeks and then you get, mm. I've worked out what was going on. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, so we're, um, we're doing stuff all the time. It's all very blocks of... Bits of work, and so you learn a bit about Brecht and a lot of devising uh, and movement and dance and uh, singing and completely practical. I had to write a thousand word dissertation at the very end, but everything else and was... And that was all the written that there was? Yeah. Uh, there were, so there was the people who were constantly being threatened to be kicked out, and then there was the people who were high flyers who were going to work forever and it was going to be marvellous and then there was me I just turned up every day and did stuff um, but also you know, you're very much encouraged to so I was I, I was in my first band at that point we, oh I didn't know that uh, what were they called Elvis Presley and the Beatles <laughs> and we mostly did Johnny Cash covers and then we also did uh, some street theatre I was in a street theatre act called the Flying Fellatio Brothers which was, uh, we went to Edinburgh and, yeah, we could do a podcast all about that brilliance. Oh, that was were you prancing about in um, Covent Garden? Were you one of those? Yes, we did. Co- we uh, entered the Covent Garden Street Theatre yeah. competition. Uh, we entered the comedy section, but they had too many people entered in the comedy section, so they put us in the acrobatic section. <laughs> <laughs> our entire, uh, we did do acrobatics. We did f- forward roles. Mostly juggling and forward rolls, but of course. Was... I wonder if I saw you because I lived in London at this time yeah. and would often walk through a Covent Garden, and you'd stop and you'd watch, and there were a few acts there that that then sort of went on, and you saw them on telly yeah, yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. So I wonder if I. It was it I was brilliant. If I ever saw you. We were we were clever, and actually, I was reflecting on this 
later, when I was recently, when we were talking about the ukulele jam at Lama Tree, uh, which was very street theatre a, a, a actually. Um, the festival, you mean? Not yes. The, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I realised that when we were performing at Lama Tree, I was remembering back 20, 30 years ago when uh, we, when I was doing the street theatre semi-professionally. Oh, we didn't do that much, but certainly we did a lot of performances. Um, I realised that there were skills that I learned then that I oh, was Oh, undoubtedly. That's the, that's the other, that's the other bit you... of the success of the, you know, success, big fish in a small ukulele pond, um, of the, the jam, is that the skills that people accidentally brought yeah. to the thing, one is your crowd rabble-rousing yep. things, and um, I think it, sometimes I wonder if it is a, it is a burden to carry you know, because people just go, all right, Colin will do that. Yeah, yeah Colin does that. And then people say, oh, don't tell that joke again. And you think, well, you tell a joke then. And also that we had singers. Yeah. And it's always struck me when I've seen other sort of community-based groups, not the pros, not the, you know, Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain and Ireland Street, but when I've seen the other sort of community-based ukulele groups around, you think, God, we can sing, can't yeah, we? absolutely. And you, can't, you lot can't sing. Um, or, you know, not, not in a sort of very performancey sort of way. Yeah, and they're, they're, of course, we live in a, a great big melting pot, Catherine, right? Uh, and so there's space, we need. space for everybody. Are you but an onion? I think, that, <laughs> I think that what I like about the jam, and, and I am very conflicted about that uh, thing that you described about me being up front yeah. and, and that stuff. Oh, going, he could do that. And so on so one hand, I love it. And yeah. I get, you know, I've got a big ego and I really like doing all that stuff. Uh, which is why I'm only playing one in every three chords because I'm I'm trying to see what I'm going yeah, to yeah, laugh yeah. about next. But then I worry that sometimes that then you know becomes the Colin show rather than the ukulele jam show and stuff. So I do get conflicted about it. And what I'm really liking at the moment is that there are, and, but I also feel conflicted about it. There are other people who are coming up. Uh, and starting to and so so I, I won't do some gigs either because I can't or because I think that I should be letting somebody else do it and so that's a, a negotiation that's that's happening around those performances. I had a little bit of that the other day when um this this um this jam two or the jam has spread or I don't know what the 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 um you know picture is to paint but um there's this Wednesday session. And that was really weird as it's well. It's stickiness. So Paul, who's who's running that thing, at, I think it's in the Junction Inn. That's um, right. It sent me an email. It said, "Is it all right if oh. I?" And I'm going, "No, no, no. This isn't. It's not." And, but I can see why other people think that it is, and and to a degree, sometimes I even feel it. But what I want it to be is nothing. It's not anyone's decision. You can go and do anything else in the same way as, uh, you know, uh, on Friday. I, you know, we were offered to go to the radio, so I picked a couple of people just to do it. Now, perhaps I should have asked everybody and done a poll and or word, but there's no time for all that. So, I, th I think that I try and live by the fact that there aren't any rules, uh, and so I you, think you... it's been a brilliant thing that that kind of. Um... It's not anarchy, is it? But that sort of... I remember somebody wrote chaos some theory. words. Yeah, the chaos of it all. Somebody, who I won't name, wrote some words once about how, oh, the Southampton ukulele jam is, this, is a democracy. And I thought, no, it isn't. No. <laughs> Nobody ever votes about anything. No. There's, no. there's no sense of here are the structures within which you have your voice. We're making it all sound terribly serious. But, but you know, there's sensitivities and egos and some people play better than others and some people have got louder voices than others and some people come because they 
want to get away from their kids for a night. And some people play become because they're trying to build a, a career in the music business or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And it has, a, it has managed to be there for all those people. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, and I, you know, people will come up to me and say, I never thought I'd be in a gigging band. I can't yes. believe I've just done that. And, I, I, and all those things make me feel very proud of, of, of what we started off. And, and sometimes it's the worst thing in the world. It is a monster. And sometimes I find it really hard. And then other times, like now, it's really... Yeah, it's just joyful and... Yeah. So... I'm going to finish your story. So you get to the end of your degree. You've done well. Yes. Have a certificate, Colin. Uh, yes. Have a two, one, just, two, nothing. I, it was a diploma that Have was, while I was there, accredited as a BA. So I've kind of got somewhere in between a diploma and a BA. If I need to do, if I ever want to do a teacher training, I've got enough of a BA to mean that I've got a degree. Yeah. But I've, I think at I our really age, they don't really diploma. bother about that sort of that. stuff anymore. Um, so, yeah, I haven't got one. So what <laughs> I've done is I tried to find a, a community theatre arts course in Scotland, couldn't find one. So I'm now going to return like a triumphant hero, having done a community theatre arts course to Scotland to... Um, or you were going to bring theatres to the people? Well, no, I was just going to take the skills that I'd learned and join <laughs> these community theatre companies. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I write to them all, yeah. including theatre workshop that I'd done uh, some work experience with uh, and was told on the telephone, but you trained in Scot in England. And I said, yeah, well, I couldn't find a course in Scotland like yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, no way you can get a job in England now. I, and I, I genuinely had backs turned against me. What's that? That's because you, 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 you're too big for your boots now or you don't... No, you've become English. Oh, how interesting. I think. Yeah. I don't, I well, don't, that's what you took I don't from know. it. I, anyway. I, I tried to get work in, in uh, Scotland and couldn't. Uh, but uh, th by this point, I, uh, I've got, uh, I'm in a long-term relationship with my partner. She was in the year above me, so she has left and is working. Um, and then I finished. Working, performing work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've got a flat in, a house in Plumstead. Um, and I'm trying to get work, and it's, it's not going particularly well. So what you do, well. behind the stage every Thursday, and yeah, looking yeah, yeah, in yeah. the back and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and writing a million letters yeah. and all that stuff. And, you know, this is... This is before mobile telephones. No internet, folks. Nothing like that. Um, and then the people who owned the house that we were renting hadn't been paying their mortgage, and so the house is being repossessed, and so we now are faced with some difficult decisions, and so we decide to up stakes and move to Edinburgh. Jump and How did that Edinburgh. happen? Uh, so we're in the process of moving, uh, and that's all happening, and I get a phone call from, my, from a woman called Helen, who was a friend of him, friend of mine called Graham to say that there was a company in Southampton who were looking for somebody to devise some music for a play that they were about to do. It's a three-month contract. So we Can you remember what the play was? I might in a minute. Go on. Yeah, go on. Uh, oh, what was it? Bugger. I had no idea. Uh, so we moved to Edinburgh, but I then... <gasps> I then get a and job. And you then got the job. It's only a three-month job, so it's going to be yes, a three-month yes, job. Yes, yes, um, And so and that was Solon People's Theatre, and that was no, here. No, that no, was no, no. Hampshire Theatre in Education. Hampshire CIE, yes, yes, yes. And so, and the guy who was a director, Chris Baldwin, was uh, I, he had done some work at Rose Bruford. So I turned up for the interview for the audition to play music. I didn't have any musical skills. I've, I've already told you that 30 years later, I've still not got any, but I'm going to devise this soundscape. And I just, <laughs> I just. I think you should 
should do it now. And and so and he he goes well. You survived Rose Bruford. You can survive three That's months all here. Right be for fine. Me. So I moved to Southampton just for three months. Uh, very quickly in the rehearsal process, convinced everyone that it wasn't a soundscape that we needed, it was another performer. And so, oh, cheeky not, not even willfully, just, that's just what happened. Uh, That'll be his charisma. And I ended up singing there for five years. Uh, so I was off to the next contract and the next contract. So you had to get on the phone so, to the missus and say, um... Yeah, so I, but I spent maybe a year, so she got a job. Eventually, you know, I, I'm being, you know, I'm very settled in this company, so we moved to West Totten. But by this point, she, Karen's pregnant with my son, Jack, who's yeah. now 21, so this yeah. is 21 odd years ago. Uh, and we've now stopped just being a little theatre and education company in Hampshire and are working all across Europe doing new theatre projects and all sorts of stuff, uh, travelling all over the place. She, we became pregnant, and so we moved to West Totten, and uh, nothing against West Totten, but it boy, was, oh boy! Wow, that was a culture. Uh, you know, people mowing their grass on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And we, and so we're. I'm 24. You were very badly, poorly advised by. Uh, uh, it was the only friends. place we could get a house, right. uh, and it was cheap enough. But suddenly, from having a relationship where we had. You know, it had always been a holiday. She'd been working and so we'd meet up for weekends and stuff. Suddenly we're in West Totten with a baby. uh, uh, I moved to Fremantle eventually. And, uh, you know, this is between Karen and I. Yeah, this is real life. Relationship uh, just imploded, I guess. That sounds very dramatic. It just, from my perspective, Karen's got a whole perspective of of her own, I'm sure. But we just, between us, I certainly couldn't handle it anymore. And so we split up. Uh, which was really difficult because Jack was only little and yeah but by this point I'm settled in Southampton and then so the the Spinoff Theatre Company was based at this point around the director Chris Baldwin me and a stage manager called Don Dyson and then various other people who would come in and out and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and one day Certainly my memory will tell me that we all came into a, a team meeting and all of us almost in the same breath said, I've had enough, I need to do something else now. Right. Um, and so we, the, the company kind of, by this point, was part of the Nuffield Theatre and it got absorbed a bit more and has gone off and done other things and we all went off and did our different things. Right. Did a performance in the Nuffield Theatre, got an agent... By the end of what I would regard as my acting career, I was doing a lot of adverts, uh, which was funding a few small-scale theatre projects. Uh, I'm Nana the dog in Peter Pan, <laughs> not in theatre. Uh, Did and you have a full skin? And what was the costume? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it, That's steamy. I bet it was stinky in there. It was absolutely stinky. Yeah. There's a weird thing. I have been a wardrobe mistress in my life. I've looked after these things. The, it still exists. Oh, uh, horrible the costume. Uh, and it needs in fact, to be put down. Recent recently five years ago Robbie did a backstage tour and there's a photograph <gasps> of him wearing the hat wearing the, the thing it was absolutely full skin uh, and I had a relationship with uh, Tinkerbell um, and we uh, and she became pregnant and you made a Tinker baby and we made a Tinker baby who's now, <laughs> who's now so how old she? 16 so that's 16, 16 years ago and then I met my the current Mrs McAllister uh, Sarah who's got a boy, Jake, and we ultimately get married and have a boy, Robbie. So we've got these four children between us. And I'm now so settled in Southampton, but I'm getting a bit 
have I had Robbie by this point? I can't remember. I, I'm, I'm certainly very frustrated about pointing at furniture and saying 799 and 699 because uh, I was doing a lot of adverts and not much else and had been to the Rose Bruford to change the world. Yeah, so it wasn't really doing and a friend of mine, proper Kat, acting, as my family would probably call no, it. No, yeah, absolutely. And a friend of mine, Kat, there suggested I worked in a drug and alcohol detox and I thought that was an awful idea. But my mum had died and her voice was ringing my ear saying you're not allowed to say I don't want to do it until you've tried it ah. so I went and did wise woman yeah I went and did a shadow shift uh, and you took to it yeah and so I then became a drug and alcohol worker a totally unqualified drug and alcohol worker yeah. to begin with yeah, completely I was able to I was able to double sign a med sheet and cook a breakfast which is what you needed to be able to do in a right in a detox at that point, uh, and then did every course that was offered to me. Um, it, it's far more regulated now. I kind of just arrived at the point where you could kind of come in with a winning smile. Yeah, I kind of couldn't can imagine that at all. Um, and then just worked across this sector in a variety of different places. Still did a bit of acting for a while. I was just on the bank for a while, and then they offered me a full-time job, and I thought, well, I'll do it for a couple of years because I quite like it. And, and I've never stopped. And it wasn't until, just to try and complete a circle, it wasn't really until 2008, by which point Robbie, my youngest boy, is eight, because he was born in 2000. Yeah. And and Jake is, uh, by this point, wherever he is, 11, 12. Yeah, 12 and so 13, we're yeah. just getting to the stage in our family where... You're out of nappies and you're... Yeah, and, and eventually yeah. Jake and Jack, who's even older, is able to babysit... And so suddenly it's great that bit, isn't it? When yeah. the older ones can look after. And the then other. I'm suddenly in a band, and we're from the first night doing performances. And so I start to remember my performance kick and, yeah. and how much I like that. And so that, that that kind of reignited my performing aspect. Not earning any money from it, but but my performing world. Uh, and then the Spiral Tones, which is a band that I'm in, kind of formed through that, and then reintroduced to Deborah Gearing and various other actory, writery kind of people. Mm -hmm. And so I now live in a brilliant world where, you know, I do my day job commissioning and coordinating drug services, but I also get to perform and, and devise or work with writers or sing songs or go to Lavatory Music Festival. And, and so I feel very... Um, fortunate that I've got all these And your wife things. in the meantime is has yeah. had a whole other change because when I first met you Sarah was I'm and we'll talk to Sarah about this um in her own right obviously but it's been very interesting to me that you've what I now with on the you know the hindsight of of our friendship I can see that you've both been through this massive transitional time yeah. where she who is a veterinary surgeon by training when I first met you, I had no idea she was a vet. Oh, really? And no, she was a she was a fine arts student. That's all I knew. So I, I kind of guessed. Well, I guess, yeah. I kind of guessed that obviously this is a this is a second career from something. But what it what what that was from, and Sarah is a is a fascinating character. Her 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 story of her her life in in Australia as a young woman, yeah. and then coming out on her own very early, being fiercely fiercely intellectually gifted. <laughs> I don't think sometimes she understands exactly how incredibly brilliant she is. 
you're part of that. What she's frowning and it's, it's, it's only because you're very clever, Sarah. <laughs> We're all trying to keep up with you. It's true. It's true. You're terrifying. But but so that that you know yeah. she was doing a, a fine art degree, which I know she cares passionately about and carries on working very diligently to try and practice as an artist now. And so many people don't actually manage to do that yeah. after they come out. Even mature students don't manage. Yeah, to can do we that just track back? So when we first got together, I was a jobbing actor and she had a proper job. And then somehow, without me actually <laughs> willfully being part of this decision, I've got a bloody proper job, and she's an artist. And she's how did that happen? Banging about taking <laughs> pictures of dead things. <laughs> so yeah, I don't quite know how that worked out. It's a beautiful thing. But but we're yeah yeah we're weirdly now I think we both surf surf both those ways. So so she also does still work as a veterinary surgeon yeah. uh, whilst doing her art practice and also working as a as a lecturer. Yes, yeah, so I've forgotten that bit. And so I. I don't earn any, any money from my performing things, but I, I manage to, to juggle having a, a proper job, but also have all these brilliant opportunities, some of which absolutely cross over with what she's doing. So suddenly I'm part of an artistic community of people that includes yeah, yeah, you, that's true. that includes uh, Sarah and all her compadres, that, that, that includes Deborah Gearing, and I met uh, Annie McKean from Winchester, um, well, and you look at people like Vix that, that, Hobbs and Grant Sharkey. Yeah. That that have we've come to know through that. And the Soccer City Band. Stanley and Pete Harvey, who Peter Harvey, who I sometimes stand up alongside on stage where he's playing bass and I'm ukulele, and we look at each other, and what we're saying to each other is, "How the fuck did we get here?" It's really interesting hearing this story of your path because you you arrived in Southampton. I don't think I'd really sort of focused on the dates, but we've been here the whole time together. I the arrived whole in 1990. time we've been here together, and yet our paths never crossed yeah. until the little four-string wonder yeah. brought us together. Yeah, 1990, I moved to Southampton. Uh, so, yeah, um, and all those things have happened. And then we end up, you know, in the rain this afternoon, uh, putting ribbon on a hoarding. We, with this, with with Alex, who 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 plays with Alex Dunlop Jam as well, and, and so um, he's, and again, he's been in Southampton much longer than anybody yeah. knew, I, I, yeah. because he's from Northern Ireland. I think I certainly did, and I think lots of people assumed that him and his partner Dawn had just arrived from no. maybe from Northern Ireland, or they've talked about Birmingham. No, they've been here forever. But they've also had a young child who's now uh, Imogen, who's now uh, you know getting to an older age, and so I think that there is something yeah. certainly in my experience that your world kind of opened back up again after what felt like decades. Of, <laughs> of kids. What have I done? Sudden, suddenly, you know, you you you're um, all these opportunities, and, and Alex is a really interesting person to talk to. I, I find it quite difficult sometimes because he he suggests, and I think he's right, that, that joining the ukulele jam, uh, so I met him in Portsmouth during the Pompalele thing, mm. um, and and, the, and then he turned up at the ukulele jam and has become a really close friend of mine, and he will talk that that he felt, and I think it's related to having a young child, very insular mm-hmm. and and then suddenly the ukulele jam, suddenly you've got access to people and ideas. And if you keep your eyes open and your ears open, suddenly you're, you know, at Katie Martin and doing a radio yes, show. Yes, you're on or, the BBC, or you're, oh yeah. you're at Lamatry Music Festival or, or you're, um, I'm going to a medium secure mental health unit on Friday uh, with the lovely Uncle Julian Harrow. And, you know, what brilliant opportunities to see, get inside other places and have all these fantastic experiences. 
Yes, yeah, so Sarah, Sarah talk, Sarah's got an incredibly intelligent brain, and I've got no shame. That's my skill. She can analyse her way out of a problem, and I can balls out a problem. You know, just uh, it'll be all all right. It's a hot combination. And so, so I think that between us, we've got we've got a a, a, a good way forward. Well, I am fabulously lucky that as well as the ukulele bringing me you as a friend, it also brought me Sarah as a friend in her own right, which has been a delight in my life. Anyway. What do you want to plug? What's going on that you want people to come and see? Okay, yes. So on December the 22nd uh, is Southampton Ukulele Jam's sixth Christmas cabaret, uh, Talking Heads Pub. Uh, doors open at seven. Fun starts at half past seven. Uh, I Yeah, so this is the sixth year that, that I've kind of taken a lead in organising it and I am lucky enough that I get everyone to email me and tell me what they're going to do and no one else knows. Oh, that's true. You know all the secrets. And so I... But you don't actually know what we're doing, do you? I don't know what you're no. doing, no. Yeah, of all the years, there is a, uh, there is going to be some absolute beautiful things and also some chaos, some absolute <laughs> chaos. Uh, so that's the 22nd. It's £5 if you have a job, £4 if you're not. It's in aid of Macmillan Cancer Support and a marvellous thing called Saints for Sports, uh, which is a, a, a charitable thing run between Southampton Football Club and a thing called the Society St James, which is a, a company I used to work for, a charity I used to work for, who work with people with mental health problems, homelessness and substance misuse problems. Uh, and Southampton Football Club, uh, people really uh, getting a lot out of it. So I'm really pleased that we're supporting that, as well as Macmillan Cancer Support, uh, kind of with a nod to my uh, beautiful mother-in-law, Mo, and various other people. So that's that, And but then your own band, The Spiral Turns, are playing. That's right. Uh, on, a week later, on the 29th of d- December, December, thanks for that heads up, uh, this is related to my oldest boy Jack who we talked about earlier he's got a friend called Dan who is a promoter uh, Amalfi Sessions I think they're called and there's a night of various different musical treats uh, which will be kicked off with my band The Spiral Tones Brilliant, so you're going to be the um, you're the, 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 the openers the dad band Yeah Oh, You're very much the support act Yeah, yeah, we're just kicking it off Cool Yeah, uh, yeah and featuring uh, my uh, lovely Oldest boy Jack is going to be performing there with his friend Lana. They call themselves All of You Cowboys, I think is their current name. Uh, some beautiful music there. So, yeah, it'll be cracking. Colin McAllister, I cannot thank you enough for this lovely, oh, lovely thing. conversation. Well done in that. So, there we go. If you want your children to grow up to be super cool and have great haircuts, you could do a lot worse than take some, uh, some lessons in life from the story of my dear buddy Colin McAllister. Isn't he a sweetie? Now, normally I would hope to be able to tell you who's going to be on the podcast next week, but I haven't got that confirmed yet. Still getting all that in place. But if you like conversations, real conversations with real people who are not trying to sell you anything, but I've just got interesting stories to tell, then you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please tell your friends, because in that way uh, we can get more people listening. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at NoBitsPod uh, or uh, go to NoBitsPod.com where you can listen to the podcast. You can also see pictures and links to some of the things that uh, I've talked about, including to the ukulele jam, which, yes, anybody is welcome to join if they wish. So that's about it, my darlings. Take it easy. Keep dry. It's hammering down here. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.